the DeSoto County campus, the fun church in Horn Lake, Mississippi. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church. We're going to jump into our text. We're going to be in Ephesians all night, starting in chapter 2, verse 1. You know, it's cool in that song we were just listening to, One of the lines say, if creation still obeys you, so will I. If creation still obeys you, so will I. So those of you who were here last week, Pastor Guy talked about a snake for a little bit. And so if any people who work for PETA or something listen to these podcasts, our church is probably going to get investigated. Because if y'all notice all these dead armadillos on the side of the road, has anybody seen these dead armadillos? So if they keep dying on the side of the road, I'm going to venture to say they got to be one of the dumbest animals out there, right? Even this dumb armadillo obeys God. All the creation, all the creatures obey God. So if I'm supposed to be intelligent, I'm supposed to be a smart man, I go to college, I work, I speak eloquently sometimes and like a hoodlum sometimes. Why am I not going to obey God? Creation obeys him. Who am I to say any differently? So Ephesians chapter 2, starting out in verse 1, says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience. Oh, that's funny. That's what we were just saying. And your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So anything that has anything to do with disobedience, that is the devil. That is not God. God very clearly wants us to be obedient. But if you notice those first five, six words in verse 2, you used to live in sin. You used to live in sin. He's writing to the church, the Ephesians. He's writing to a church. You used to live in sin. Don't tell me that everybody still sins. Don't tell me that you sin every day and that you're going to keep falling because I know that's true. Because I myself have not sinned for over a month. I'm not boasting on myself. I'm boasting on God. That with God's Holy Spirit living in you and He loves you that much that you do not have to live in sin anymore. That you don't even have to be tempted or think about it. Because the second even the slightest little thought pops into your head, you just speak again in the name, in the name of Jesus. You speak against it. You have a Christ-like mind. You say, I'm not even going to let that stuff wander into my mental space. It is possible to not sin. It is possible to not backslide and live in condemnation and guilt and shame all the time. You can do it with God's power. With God's power, you are able to do it. We're going to jump over to chapter 5, verse 3. Let there be no sexual immorality, impurity, or greed among you. Such sins have no place among God's people. Am I talking to God's people? Paul was writing to the church. I'm speaking to the church right now. No place among God's people. Verse 4. Obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. So when we used to have that locker room talk 
with the guys and say stuff that we wouldn't want to say with our mama listening. Now instead, we're supposed to be thanking God. Verse 5, you can be sure that no immoral, impure, or greedy person will inherit the kingdom of Christ and of God. For a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. So it says, no impure person will inherit the kingdom of Christ. Well, to be pure is to be without sin. So no impure person will inherit the kingdom of Christ. And this isn't the only place. I'm not just picking out one verse. There's many places where Paul writes about if you're living in sin, that you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. So it's not, I'm not just picking out one and throwing it out of whack and not telling you about all the grace that's out there. That's not what I'm doing. This is found time and time and again that people living in sin are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. It is possible to do it. The reason we don't do it is because we love our sin too much. If you would rather go do anything else other than hang out with God for 10 minutes, other than go read your Bible for 10 minutes, if you'd rather do whatever else it is, that means you love doing that more than you love God. Is that simple. If you decide to sin tonight, if you decide to sin tomorrow, you chose that. You made that decision. No one made you sin. You chose it. God's got better for you, though. He's got better for you. Down to verse 6. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins. For the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. Oh, it's, it's cool, man. You know, I only curse a little bit when I'm at work because other guys I work with, they curse. So it's cool, you know. Oh, well, you, you know, uh, I'm going to marry this girl, so it's cool if I do it. You know what I'm saying? I only drink on Fridays. It's all good. It's all good. That's why I don't come to church on Fridays. Don't be fooled by those who try to excuse these sins, for the anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. So if I curse one time, is that a sin? Yes. The anger of God will fall on all who disobey him. So if I just cursed, I disobeyed him, and God's anger is going to fall on me, I better stop doing that. Verse 7 don't participate in the things these people do. Verse 8, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. It says, once you were full of darkness, but now you have the light from the Lord. It doesn't say you have both. Darkness and light can't both live in the same vessel. You can't do it. There's only room for one. You choose. You're either inviting that sin in, inviting those bad spirits in, or you're inviting the Holy Spirit in, and you're inviting purity in. Because it said the impure people aren't going to inherit the kingdom of Christ. You have to choose which one you're going to invite in. You can't have both. You cannot have both. You cannot say, well, once a day when I get home and I'm done with work, I'm going to do this. I'm going to smoke this blunt. But I still love Jesus. You know, I'm still reading my Bible and praying when I'm smoking. It's all good, right? You can't do that. You can't have both. Good and evil don't dwell in the same place. They don't do it. You can't serve two masters. You're going to be miserable. You're going to hate one of them. We're going to jump back a little bit. We're still going to stay in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom 
with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So why did Jesus have to die on the cross for us? It's because we were disobedient. It's because we sinned. That's why Jesus had to pay that price for us. And we go to chapter 2, verse 16. Together as one body, Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility toward each other was put to death. He's talking about the Jews and the Greeks, and he's saying that Jesus died for both of them. So the sacrifice that Jesus made was for everybody. Jump down to verse 18 in chapter 2. Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. This is including all peoples in the world from all times, from back then all the way up to now, up to the future. It says now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit, we all have the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for all of us. Chapter 3, verse 13. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honor. Paul is writing this letter from a jail cell. This is one of the prison epistles. He is suffering right now. He is in jail. Not an American jail either. He is in jail, suffering and being tortured. And he told them not to lose heart because of his trials here. That was a real sacrifice that Paul was making. What's the biggest sacrifice I have to make? I don't drink anymore. The biggest sacrifice. I'm getting ahead of myself. Chapter 5, verse 2. I'm just really excited, guys. I know what God's about to do. A little piece of it. Chapter 5, verse 2. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma of God. Any sacrifice that you make should actually please God. Psalms, chapter 54, verse 6. We're still going to stay in Ephesians. Psalms 54, 6 says, I will sacrifice a voluntary offering to you. I will praise, praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. Now, when David is making a sacrifice, he chose to do it. He said, a sacrifice is a voluntary offering. No one made him do it. A sacrifice isn't like, I wanted to go to church, but I had to take my kid to the baseball game, so I sacrificed church. Or I wanted to go to church, but I had to work because I have to pay the bills, so I sacrificed church. That's not a sacrifice. A sacrifice is something you want to do. Now, maybe if you wanted to do that, if you wanted to go work instead of come to church, I'm not going to go there. I will sacrifice a voluntary offering to you. But see, the sacrifice that Jesus made wasn't like taking your kids to a baseball game instead of doing what you wanted to do, instead of going to get your hair done. Jesus' sacrifice was for everybody. When we're back in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 6, it says, And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body, and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, 
he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. Jesus died for everybody. His plan was for all of us to be saved, not just the people in church or the people who look like us or the people that are nice to us even. Two days ago, I went to Walmart. And you can't tell me that this wasn't God's timing. The second I put the kickstand down on my bike, I see a young lady walking out of the Walmart towards her car. And one of them little electric moped carts that they let you use if you got a bad hip or something was parked behind her car. And I'm walking, I, get, I take my helmet off, I start walking towards the store. And she, she's already, I see her mumbling under her breath, talking, you can tell she's frustrated, swinging her shopping bag around. She puts the stuff in the car, walks back out to the cart at the same time I'm walking by, and she's like pulling on it. The button wasn't working. She's like pulling on it, trying to move it. I'm like, hey, how you doing? I said, someone block you in? She said, yeah. She stopped mumbling under her breath. I can almost guarantee you she was cursing under her breath, just mad that this cart was had blocked her in. So I easily, it wasn't that hard. I just picked it up and moved it for her. It was no big deal. I just moved it. She's like, thank you so much. I said, yes, man. I just want you to know that Jesus loves you, and you're an awesome person. And she lit up. I didn't have to say all that. I just said Jesus, and she lit up. See, she was so mad and so angry at first, so frustrated with life pressing down all around her. But when she heard Jesus, she lit up. See, the people God's sending you out to don't act like Pastor Guy. He doesn't need to be witnessed to. He needs our encouragement and our prayer, but he doesn't need anybody to come witness to him so he can be saved. He's already saved. The people that God's going to send you out to look like they live on this planet Earth, which is hard because you have to work all day and you have to do things that you don't want to do, things that people are calling sacrifices. But I'm already telling you a sacrifice. Jesus chose to die on that cross. Nobody made him do that. A sacrifice is something you want to do because you know you're going to get something greater if you sacrifice this small thing. If you know that you have to wake up early to go provide for your family, that's the easiest sacrifice you can make is that sleep. You didn't even want that sleep. You didn't want that. Cody? <laughs> Heather went. <laughs> staring him down. You don't need that sleep, man. You got it. You're good. I pray you get the rest from the Lord right now. Oh, man. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 1, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. See, this thing that people call a sacrifice, like, oh, I, I'm so sorry, I'm so sad that I have to sacrifice this sleep so I can go to work. If you just be obedient, you wouldn't have to say that you're sacrificing things that aren't really a sacrifice. So did I, because I'm a Christian and I follow God, did I have to sacrifice drugs and sleeping with women and pornography? No, it's because that's not a sacrifice. I'm obedient to my Lord. I'm obedient to my Heavenly Father that I get to be with, here with Him now where He has me. How, how do you sacrifice something? You don't even want it. I'm being obedient. Verse 2, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. When you are obedient, you gain things. 
It's not that you're sacrificing and you're losing things. It's not like following God has this great cost where you can't have fun anymore. I just watched this man throw a giant styrofoam ball at someone with a wiffle ball bat. And I heard 40, 50, 60-year-old ladies jumping around the room trying to catch the ball. How, how, we're not sacrificing fun to be Christians. We're not like, oh, I can't hang out with them now. I can't go to the club anymore. I can't do all the stuff I used to do anymore. That's not what it's about. It's you get this privilege, you get this honor, you get this reward for being obedient. It's not that you're losing something, it's that you're gaining something. In chapter four, or chapter six, verse four, the very next verse, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. See, some of us in here, we might think we're spiritual fathers, and we're not. Or maybe we're not, and we should be. Because when you see that person just mad, mumbling in the Walmart parking lot, and you look down at them like, they're not following the Lord. I don't got time for them. These are the people God's going to send you to. The people that look annoyed, that look bothered, that look like they're having a terrible day. They're having a terrible day because they don't have Jesus and you need to give Jesus to them. You have to be that mouthpiece for God. You have to be that spokesperson for God. When we look down on someone and say, I'm not going to witness to them because they smell funny. I'm not going to witness to them because they're a different color than me. I'm not going to witness to them because they're a different religion. Hello? They're a different religion? That's who you're supposed to be witnessing to. Oh, they already told me they believe in Buddha. I can't talk to them. Show them the love of Christ and tell them you're doing it because Jesus loves them. That's it. If you show them that you're nice to them and you say Jesus still loves you, how can you go wrong with that? How is that insensitive and intolerant? Telling someone that somebody loves them? This is what we've been called to do. This is the Great Commission. This is our job, is to go out and love these people. And if, you've intent, if you think that you're mature in the faith, that you're spiritually mature, and you're a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, to someone who's younger in the faith and newer in the faith, then you have to do it. You can't look down at them and walk away. You have to do what you say you're all about. What you come in here on Sunday and you put up this big game, but who are you influencing? Who have you taken under your wing? Pastor guy's only got two wings. They're long, but I think he only fit about three people under each of them. Okay? We need more people bringing people under their wings and being that father to them. But it says that the fathers do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Of course they're still sinning. You haven't talked to them and given them the instruction that comes from the Lord. You haven't given them that discipline and said, dude, you're not supposed to be doing that. That's bad. That leads to death. I know I've done it before. Trust me, this is what happened to me when I did it. You don't want to do it. How are these people ever going to change and ever going to act right if you don't give them that discipline and instruction? Verse 5. 
Slaves, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. There's that word obey again. Now, none of us are slaves, but you're either a slave to sin or you're a slave to Christ, right? It says, obey your earthly masters with deep respect and fear. Serve them sincerely as you would serve Christ. It all comes down to that obedience again. Don't say that, oh, I'm having to do this job. It's so hard. My boss is always riding me. Yet you're there to work to get a paycheck. Your boss's job is to tell you to do stuff. You got to be obedient. Verse 6. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you. As slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. We're being obedient to the Lord first and foremost. He always sees what you're doing. You're not getting away with it, spending 23 hours a day pretending to be with the Lord, but when you sneak off at home and you do something different when nobody's watching, you're not getting away with it. God knows. We don't ever have to know. We're never going to call you out on it or say anything to you about it here even. You can cover it up wonderfully, but it's really growing and festering and multiplying itself inside of you. Because every time you walk through these doors, you're clean. Because I've prayed it. Many people in here have prayed it. We have prayed that when people come in here, they're going to be free from the demonic spirits which represent themselves in things of this world, such as drugs, such as addictions, such as greed, such as immorality and promiscuity. We pray for freedom on the people that walk in here. And how I just told you that you can't have light and dark in the same body. You can't have light and dark in God's house either. Because I've already prayed for God's presence to be in here. His presence is in here. No other presence is allowed in here. So every single one of you, you're wiped clean right now. You don't have that junk living in you. But when you walk out of here, if you invite it back in by going home and doing whatever you do when you get home, or whatever you can't even wait to get down the end of the driveway to do, you already start cursing at your wife when you start driving off. You've already invited that evil spirit back in. And Jesus said in his word that if you are a house swept clean and the evil spirits are out of you and you invite them back in, they come back seven times stronger. They bring seven friends with them. Good luck kicking the addiction then. Good luck. You come in here and you pretend like you're living for the Lord and you're clean for a couple minutes you go back home and do it, tell me it's not that much harder to stop. That's why it's an addiction. The more you do it, the harder it is to ever stop. It just keeps growing and growing and growing. The first time that I did some drugs, I don't think I even did it the next day. I probably didn't do it for a couple weeks. I was around some friends again. I did it again. Slowly, it started growing and building upon itself. I did it more and more and more and more until I was doing it every minute of every day. It's the same thing with any other sin. Oh, it just catches you just a little bit. It's kind of like missing church. You can fall away very easily. You miss one service. It's not a big deal. Oh, I don't come on Wednesdays anymore because I don't get off work till five and I don't have time to go home and shower and eat and stuff. So put on some deodorant and stop at McDonald's. Like, come on. Come on. <laughs> I mean... It's a slow fade. It's a slow fade. 
And it's the same thing with addictions. It's the same thing with letting things in your life. We're making that one small compromise. And people's feelings are going to get hurt with it. I had to do it to a fellow church member here. They asked me to go with them somewhere. I said, man, I love you, and you're important to me, but I can't do that because if I do that, this is a sin. You may not think it's wrong, but I'm telling you that it's a sin. And if I drive you there for you to just do this simple favor, that's a sin. That's a sin. For me to even be a part of it, to be an accomplice. And I, and he, I was shocked. He was nice about it. He said, all right, that's cool. We'll just go home. I told him, I said, I'm not taking you over here to do this thing. You have to have boundaries. Because if I'm not willing to do that, if I just get pushed around and give in to peer pressure and do whatever these people want me to do, then there's no difference between me and them. Because no normal people who don't know Christ would have had no problem doing it. Like, it wasn't a terrible, evil, bad thing. It was kind of against the law. But like most people, even that, most people, they still would have just done it. It's not a big deal. Because, you know, we, we break laws all the time, and it seems like a lot of us don't get caught, right? But I have, you have to have standards. You have to have morals and guidelines. You have to have obedience. You have to be obedient to Christ and what he's telling you to do. We're going to move back to chapter 4, verse 20. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Don't do those old things anymore. Don't do them anymore. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. So you're going to have a new thought and a new attitude. You're not going to think the same negative thoughts like, oh, I don't like this girl. She just come in. She always got an attitude with me. She talked behind my back that one time when I first met her, and she's been nice to me ever since. You have new thoughts new attitudes. You don't walk around looking like that mad person in Walmart. How many of you walk in Walmart and maybe some goofy guy like me is walking around trying to witness to people and you look like the mad person? And they're like, ooh, I don't want to talk to them. You're supposed to be showing Christ's love and Christ's joy. We have new attitudes. We have renewed thoughts and renewed attitudes. We act differently because we have Christ in us, because we've seen what it's like to be obedient to him, even a tiny bit, because God loves us so much that he pours out his blessings on us before we even begin to be obedient. Because he says, come as you are, come right now. He shows our love. He died for us when we were still sinners. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he loves us. Verse 24. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. What does righteous mean? It means living rightly. Put on your new nature, created to be like God. You are created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. You're created to live rightly. And what does holy mean? The Hebrew word for holy means separate. Separate from this world. Not doing the things that the world does. Not doing the things that you used to do because you put on this new nature of Christ. Because you are obedient to him. Because you see how much love you get from Heather when you wake up at four in the morning and drive to work. Right? Because you're obedient. 
and you do what you need to do. Verse 25, so stop telling lies. Now you're not all going to get love from Heather. You'll get it from Jesus. But one person in here can get it from both. Verse 25, so stop telling lies. I just wanted to clear that up. I didn't want your phone to be getting blown up or something, you know. Make sure we're all on the same page. So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth. For we are all parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Hold on. If it said don't sin, how am I supposed to do that if everybody sins all the time and sins every day? And we all fall short. And don't sin. It wouldn't tell me not to sin in anger if it was impossible. If you say, well, everybody gets angry and sin. Why would God tell me to do something I couldn't do? It says, Philippians 2.13, God gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God would not tell you to do something if it was impossible. It is impossible for you to do it. But with the power of Christ living inside of you, you are more than capable to do anything. You are more than capable to do anything. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. When you're climbing up a mountain, y'all ever go rock climbing? A foothold. You get your foot in the side of that mountain, and it's a place you can push off of. You can get higher, right? Well, Satan's trying to do that too. He's trying to get higher on the list of the number of things in your life that he's involved to. He's trying to get closer to being at the top, to being overflowing all over every single thing that you've ever done. Satan is trying to get that foothold in there and have a strong grip so he can't fall off you because you're the mountain and you got good things climbing on you, you got bad things climbing on you. And Satan is trying to make sure that he is the one on you. But all you got to do is speak the name Jesus and make that conscious decision not to do it anymore and you won't. So you don't need church folk praying for you. You don't need for me to pray for you to act different or to come to the Lord or to live completely for him or to stop sinning. You just have to choose not to do it. You have to stop loving that sin more than you love God. That's what it all comes down to is your decision. No matter how many times you come up to God at the end of the service and he counsels you, no matter how many times you respond to an altar call, no matter how many church services you go to in a week. None of that is going to change anything until you make the decision to change how you act and how you think and what you choose to be involved in on a daily basis. You have to make that decision to be obedient to the word of God because God inspired every single one of the scriptures. And you have to make that decision to listen to what he told you to do. He wouldn't tell you to do it if it wasn't possible. It is hard. It is very hard to do. But it's a lot better than the alternative. The alternative is hell. It's a lot better. It's a lot better. Verse 28. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. So if my sin is stealing, I'm a kleptomaniac. I just love doing it. I love stealing these little hair things that tie my hair up, right? It just gives me this rush. I'm like, whoa, it's awesome, okay? But God doesn't say that I have to give up the hair thingies, right? It says, 
When you quit stealing, instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. So you can either be a leech or you can be strong and provide for others. You can be a giver or a taker. So either way, you're going to get the same amount, right? If I work hard all day and I make more than enough for me to eat, then I get to share with someone else and let them eat. Or I can steal just enough for myself. Because if I stole more, I'd get caught. He's not saying that you have to give up the things that you love. Because a sacrifice is voluntary. Jesus chose to sacrifice his life for yours. When you choose to sacrifice, when you are obedient to God's word and do what he tells you to do, then you are going to receive joy. You are going to receive a blessing because then when your hands are used for hard work, you can give generously to others in need. You wouldn't be able to give generously to others in need if you were just scraping by and you weren't getting enough. You don't have to steal to get by. You don't have to sin to get enjoyment and pleasure out of this life. When you start acting right according to God, God gives you the joy. God wants you to be happy and have fun and throw balls in church. He wants you to do it. When you're obedient to him, you actually get more. You actually have more fun. But you have to make that decision because the devil's lying to you and telling you that you're going to get less if you stop stealing, that you're going to have less fun in life if you stop sinning. Whatever, everyone in here, you all got a different sin. Some of y'all got the same sin. If you stop sinning, you're going to have less fun. That's a lie. That's a lie. Every voice you hear in your head isn't God. Every voice you hear in your head isn't God. You have to have that spiritual gift of discernment. With that Holy Spirit living in you, you will know. You will have that discernment and be able to tell the difference. Verse 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So it's the same thing as stealing. Well, you see, when I used to curse and say really perverse things about women, it'd make all my friends laugh and we'd have a good time. I'd be the center of attention, right? But this says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. So I used to think I was encouraging them by cursing up a storm and it was funny. It made them laugh, right? But it says that if everything I say is good and helpful, my words will actually encourage them. So it's the same thing. You think you're giving up something because Satan is lying to you. He's telling you that you're sacrificing fun to get closer to God. And that is a lie. That is a lie. You stop cursing and instead you say, I'm going to have the joy of the Lord. I'm going to just mention the name Jesus and see a total stranger smile. I'm just going to mention that name. But see, it has to be all the time. It has to be all the time. People perceive you just based off of how they see you. I recently moved in with the cow, the cow, I, I moved in with them, I don't know their name. I moved in with Pat and Kathy a couple weeks ago. And how many of y'all know it's the NBA playoffs, right? So they're from Ohio, so they're re- rooting for Cleveland, and we're watching, we're watching LeBron play every night, right? So every night I'm over there so far, I've watched basketball with them. So one night when I was gone, I was out of town and they were talking and they said, you know, Nick probably thinks that we're the biggest basketball freaks because from the day I moved in, they've been watching basketball every night. They're like, and we're really not like that. But to him, all he's seen of us is watching basketball. 
So what people see of you is how you are. You can't say, oh, you're walking in, you're just so mad, you had such a long day at work, and now when you're going through Walmart, you're just so mad, and then when you get home and you act differently. The only time the public sees you is in Walmart. So if you're acting mad, that is their perception of you. They would not say that you're a Christian when you're walking around cursing that someone left this little buggy behind your car that you had to move. That perception is their reality of you. So you have to do this at all times. You have to live in God's obedience at all times. Verse 30, we're almost done. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. See, your sin isn't just hurting yourself. It's affecting all the people around you so much so it's even making God sorry. It's making God sad when you sin. And the other people in your life is damaging them because you're either going to encourage them or you're going to tear them down. There's no middle ground. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. So I believe that everybody in here is already a believer. I know every single face I'm looking at. I know everybody in here is already saved. But if anybody in here tonight is saying, you know, I just really want to obey God better. I want to do a better job. I want to be able to live my life for Him and stop thinking that me giving up these things that brought me pleasure that I like doing was a sacrifice and begin to realize that it is joyous that I get to live for Him and be obedient to Him. I'd love to pray with you if you want to try and do a better job. And I'm the first one to answer it. I want to do a better job obeying God's commandments. I want to do a better job listening to Him. I'm going to leave you one last verse. Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commandments. So if you love Jesus, you would do what He tells you to do. Don't say you love Jesus and keep sinning. That's a contradiction. You just lied if you said that. You say, I, I sin, but I love Jesus. No, because you have sinned. Yes, you might have sinned right before you walked in here. But right the second, I would hope that you're not sinning Listen to me. So right now, you're obeying Jesus and you love him. And if anybody needs prayer to get closer to the Lord, I'd love to pray with you. listening to the podcast today. We hope you enjoyed it and that it inspires you to live out God's Word. For more information, visit us at www.mypassion.church.